Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50% to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hello, I'm Nick Mullins and uh, welcome along to this week's Rugby Tonight podcast where I am joined by my commentary box husband, Benedict Kay. Hello, Nick Mullins. I've missed you. Where have you been? Uh, well, You've I been busy, actually, I haven't you? Live You've been busy. In the commentary box. No. <laughs> and you've been in Scotland. <laughs> I've, How was that? It was um, Scottish. It was chilly, actually. Yeah, no, very chilly. Very chilly. But chilly? Um, good weekend. The game was in Scotland. No, we went to Edinburgh. Um, and we'll have a chat about that as well. Excellent. My goodness, that was uh, that was a good day. But yeah, you've been uh, you've been all over the place, haven't you? Yes, um, lots of uh, diverse rugby grounds over the last uh, over the last couple of weeks. So, uh, are you becoming old... more of a hobnobber? You're 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 on the you're on the corporate trail. Bit of a days, digestive. Just, yeah. there are other biscuits available. Yeah. Well done. No, I've just been going around watching rugby for the love of the game, Nick. Corporate Charlie, that's what you are. We are going to be looking ahead to the third weekend of international rugby uh, on on Saturday. Where are you on Saturday? Uh, I'm at Twickenham. Are you in a Saturday. nice box? Uh, no, no. Just an average. Just one. wandering around Twickenham. <laughs> Is there something happening? <laughs> we'll also be looking ahead to the uh, to the Aviva Premiership. We're actually here in. Broad Street Rugby Club, um, which is in Coventry. It's where Wasps do their weekday training. You'll have heard us mention it a lot uh, during the programmes. Um, and Broad Street are training here tonight. It's um, it's a, it's kind of an old school place, isn't it? We're in the Players' yeah. Lounge here, which is surrounded by lots of those little shield things, um, metal badges on, on bits of old pine or oak or whatever it is that you only tend to find in rugby clubhouses. You're boring people now, don't you? Yeah, I am. There's a ping-pong uh, table. If I, there is a ping-pong table. But will no longer be able to play ping-pong because you've sat on the ball and dented no, it. No, no, But we, we, we feel an affinity to this place. I should, I should fess up here you because do. I do. So do you, actually, because the chef here fed you um, at the social event of last year, my was, wedding. He was the chef at your wedding and I was the barman. You were the, you were the barman and you were also Thank a Thank you for that free drink. You, sorry you did some singing as well, which was great. So anyway, so we're at uh, Broad Street RFC, great place uh, where wasps go about their um, week to week business. So um, loads going on at this time of year. It's the time of year, isn't it, where players start to talk about contracts and other clubs come in. They're not supposed to come no, in. No, they're not, <laughs> not allowed to talk to anyone else no. in the Premiership until January the 1st. No, but despite that, there are, there are lots of um, transfer rumours, confirmed transfer things. I've got a long list here. I'll just, in no particular order, I'll, I'll start at the top. One confirmed move, Finn Russell leaving Glasgow and heading to Racing 92. Yeah, which might suggest that someone else from Racing 92, a fly half, might be leaving. Daniel Carter. Uh, Dan Carter. But I, look, I think that's uh, quite a good move for him, actually. Um, he'll be playing with some uh, big names, superstars, uh, so he'll be under pressure to perform. Uh, you get the impression, although Glasgow have been great over the last couple of years, they still have that tag a little bit of underdogs, um, when, when they're playing in Europe, Racing tend to have that tag of, well, you've got all these superstars, what are you going to do with them now? But it'll be great to see him being able to pull the strings for those guys. Isn't it funny as well, and I'm, 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 I'm sure this has happened lots of times before, but player plays well against one club one season, as Finn Russell did twice yeah. against Racing last year in the Champions Cup, and Jackie Lorenzetti or whoever it is uh, says, yes. ah, you know, he, 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 he would particularly be happens player. with the French, I think, but yeah. also he has played well a lot on the international stage. 
And as you know, they won't just solely base it on those two games. Maybe that would have been the light bulb moment that made them think, well, let's follow this guy's progress. But he was pretty, pretty bloody good all all uh, all season last year, wasn't he? Do you develop as a fly half in the French league? Um, I'm thinking of Johnny Sexton, who didn't. He really didn't enjoy it over there. Is there clearly he's going for big bucks? But is there yeah. an element of risk about this? From I, this I wonder whether he might suit it a little bit better because his style of game. Um, Johnny Sexton is very much about getting everything right and bossing everyone else around. I think uh, Finn Russell has a little bit more a of bit his more own attacking at, uh, intent, which is yeah. a little bit more French, isn't it? Um, so they don't, you know, you speak to any of the guys that have gone and coached over there and they say it's totally different. You know, the, all the structure and planning that goes into our game over here just doesn't occur over there. So maybe that will help him and he will be able to bridge the gap with, with the knowledge he's gained over playing for Glasgow. Um, we're hearing tonight, we're recording this on Wednesday evening, so when we speculate about the England team that we will, um, uh, we don't know what the England team is because it's Wednesday night. Uh, and we're hearing within the last couple of hours that Matt Banahan um, might be on his way from Bath, or it, he is on his way at the moment because they've offered him a contract um, but we're hearing it's not much better than the one he's been on for the last three or four years. And, and he's inclined, it seems, to look elsewhere. Yeah, this is, this is always difficult. Uh, partly, you know, it's not, we haven't really got quotes from Matt Banahan. No. And often when this happens, you know, with, with my knowledge of, of what goes, goes on, is that like, the, the agents start to mention stuff to some of the journos to get a story to, to uh, spike the interest in a certain player. Now, Matt Banahan is, is bath through and through. He's been superb. Um, but the clubs face a really difficult challenge in the fact that they have to stay within the salary cap. It's a bit of a jigsaw to put that together. Every year, every single player wants a, a pay rise. It's yeah. natural, isn't it? Most yeah. people in, in, in life would like a pay rise every time their contract's renewed. But if, even if you're adding five, ten grand onto a player's contract every year, you do that across 40 players, and that's, that's your marquee player gone. That's £400,000 that you have to think. And then you'll have to do it again next time. Mm -hmm. So clubs never really want to get rid of a player and, unless they're seen as being a bit poisonous in the environment or you can get someone a lot better. And I'm sure Bath would love to keep Matt Banahan, but at the moment they value him at the same rate as they did. Bearing in mind that he's a back and he's 30, he'll be 31 years old and... You know, how long do you give someone a contract on that amount of money mm -hmm. uh, when, when particularly the backs are getting slightly older? Their speed, if you look at everyone else, tends to trail off a little bit. So it's a really difficult situation for them because he is very much a loyal Bath man and I'm sure he'd love to stay there. But if, he's also probably aware that he's coming to the end and if he can get more money elsewhere, it's, it might be the right thing to do for his family. So it will just come down to the, whether someone comes in and values him higher than Bath. But it's not necessarily Bath shunning him. They just feel that in order to manage the rest of their squad, they can only offer him this amount of money. I remember talking to, um, to a DOR once who said that he was renegotiating with, um, with a front row forward with a prop. Uh, and the prop only wanted an extra five six thousand on yeah. top of what he was being offered but the dor got him into the office and said listen i've got 45 players that i need to look after here i'd love to offer you an extra five or six thousand but if everyone who comes in here asks for an extra five six thousand and i say yes yeah, exactly. that's a sizable wedge yes. out of our out of our transfer kitty yeah that, i mean that's exactly it, it it's um you know it's it just, the, the maths just don't add up no. and, and that's why i think actually you'll see quite a lot more churning of players in that mid-bracket. So the international superstars will still command higher and higher wages and to tempt those big-name players over, you're going to have to keep paying a little bit more to certain people. The, but I think below that, if guys continue to want more money and they can get more money elsewhere, clubs will say, well... You know, even if you've come through our academy system, once you get to a certain level, unless you're a bit of a superstar or vital to the team, we'll probably have to start again with an academy lad that's come through the system. And, and, and there might be a bit more churn of players. Um, Bristol is one of the clubs that, that Banners is being linked with. Gloucester's another. And both of those clubs are involved in a bit of speculation again this week. That Johnny Gray to Bristol thing won't go away. Johnny Gray saying, I've not made up my mind yet, but it 
but it's still there, and the longer it stays there, you more the more inclined you are to think there's something in it. Yeah, I mean, lots lots of people being linked with Bristol, as you'd expect. Obviously, um, a lot of money at the club um, and ambition. And this time around, I think they'll feel well they can because the playoff system's changed in the championship. They can attract players. It was it was never really just about the money in terms of them not being quite ready for the start of the Premiership last time they were up. It was the fact that, did you want to hold your hand up and say, well, I know you haven't quite got promoted this year and we've seen it a couple of times in years gone by of you signing players and then them having to play in the Championship. I yeah. don't think, I think there's a lot of players that don't want to play in the Championship, even if they're getting paid a lot of money. That changes now. So the players can commit to Bristol earlier. And um, that means that we'll see Bristol link to more and more players as they look to make sure they have a squad that's capable of staying in the Premiership when they come up. The thing that strikes me as well about Johnny Gray is that it's a different kind of signing. It's not the kind of Ian Evans-type signing that they were doing On the a few way years down. ago. Yeah. This, this, this guy's 23, 24. He's got the rest of his career ahead oh, of him. Oh, look, he is... Um, you know, not, not only that, um, not only is he a great player, but his style of play is sort of what you need to build the team ethos around. Hardly ever misses a tackle, works exceptionally hard, uh, will carry for you. He's just a, 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 a really good, reliable player that will front up every week. Yeah. I was down in Gloucester yesterday um, saying hello to uh, Johan Ackerman for the first time uh, and a lot of chat around Hartbury around, uh, about where Ross Moriarty is going to be playing next season. And he's been caught in this net with his contract up at the end of the season. George North is another one who's, who's told us that he's leaving Northampton today. He's another one who, if he wants to carry on playing Test Match Rugby at the moment, has to go back to Wales, and that's precisely where Ross Moriarty finds himself at the moment. Yeah, but it's, does does it's, George North need to? Is he, is he, not, oh, I, he no, will he, get to the 60 caps if he's not there yeah, already. He can't be far away, can so, he? No. Um, so that's probably, you know, that, that, that's not necessarily the it's case slightly with different, George, isn't it? but, yeah. you know, quite admirable that he might want to go home as well and play play his rugby at home. Yeah. Um, in, in, in terms of Ross Moriarty, as it stands, it would appear that he has to go to Wales. Um, there's a lot of talk between the different um, regions about where he will go. A little bit of or people trying to stir up a bit of controversy if he does go to Newport Gwent Dragons, which seem favourites at the moment, because obviously the WRU took them over recently, mm. um, doing great things under Bernard Jackman. But if he goes there, I think there might be quite a few other supporters of other regions crying foul that, well, the WRU have just plonked him into their... Um, it makes sense, though, doesn't it? If, if, if they're yeah. the weakest region around at the moment, if you're bringing in players like Ross Moriarty, you need to strengthen re that. So restock four, empty shelves. Four strong, uh, four strong regions. Yeah. Uh, I, I think you're right. Um, so does George North go to the Dragons as well, based on based on that theory? Well, no. I mean, maybe that maybe that's a, a, a bit of a softener for the WRU that he might go back from whence he came, mm -hmm. and um, he was Scarlets, wasn't he? George North Scarlets, yeah. yeah, 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 North Walian, yeah, good North Walian. Mike Phillips, uh, Mike Phillips talking, <laughs> doing a Sinatra. I, I love it. I he's coming out of retirement he's for just a couple of games. Of, that's what, yeah. His retirement home in Dubai, where he now lives, <laughs> to make the short hop over to South Africa and play the two South African legs. So uh, look great. Yeah, they're drastically down on scrum halves. Two away with Wales. I think one of the others are is injured. So they are literally. Um, they they tried checking the bare cupboards and seeing whether any of the chefs could play and they couldn't and no. uh, so Mike Phillips has answered the call and he's sort of personality that will probably come out and get two man of the match performances and, and um, yeah good on yeah, him. Yeah he'll love it, he'll love it. But the you? other thing about Ross Moriarty, sorry going yeah, back no, to no. that, I know um, we've moved off that topic. Again it's that little bit of misunderstanding where stuff really should be kept behind closed doors and uh, you know, it, it's a little bit created by the media because some journalists has asked Johan Ackerman about what's happening with Ross Moriarty. He says, uh, I haven't spoken to him, he hasn't approached me. This gets written into a... Um, well, Ross Moriarty was seen in the Celtic Manor Hotel having a cup of coffee with his dad, Paul, yeah. a week or so ago. And inevitably, we then have two and two making six. 
Yeah, maybe. I, I know. And then obviously Ackerman says, "Well, he hasn't approached me." And then we get this tweet from Ross Moriarty saying, "Sorry, I didn't know when I signed my last Not contract. Feeling the love. It, it was down Not to me to come to you." No. But I guess it is really. I don't know whether Ross Moriarty has an agent, but usually, again, the agents would be knocking on. Uh, if, they, if a player wants to go somewhere, would be knocking on the door pretty early on. Um, trying to secure a contract for next season, so um, it's yeah. We'll see see what happens on that and, and how it plays out. But it, I don't think it's great when stuff has to but has to be played out on Twitter as Ross Moriarty does. But oh, I think in, it's brilliant. In his defence, uh, for all theater. those Foster fans, he doesn't have a recourse to to come back and get you know if he if he doesn't tweet out there no. that actually it's not just because I'm desperate to leave. No. But how else does he get the message out there? No, no. And I didn't see him at, at, at Hartbury yesterday. Uh, Confirmate. Uh, rumours. Rumours. He, he wasn't there. He wasn't there. No, allegedly not he there. He might have been in the toilets. He might have been. Um, Brad Shields. That's a good New Zealand here. Yeah, he'll be getting used to this place. He'll yeah, be coming to Wasps next ping season. Ping-pong with one of the balls that you've damaged, yeah. Nick. Yeah. Um, I think that's a great signing. He is a tremendous player. Played against the Lions for the Hurricanes uh, on the summer tour. Um, and he is absolute quality. Lots of rumours that... There's well, a subtext to this, isn't there? There is, isn't there? Yeah, he's, about England qualifying. He's coming here, you would think, not only to sample the delights of Coventry and Broad Street Rugby Club, but because he wants to play international rugby and he's not going to be playing international rugby in an all-black shirt. He might be playing in a black shirt because it's currently England's second uh, strip. Yeah. But he wants to play international rugby and, and he qualifies for England. Uh, I'm pretty sure the England coaching staff know all about him already and would be pretty keen to have him as an option. Um, so great signing for Wasps. Um, you know, I'm sure there would have been a lot of clubs that were looking to secure his services and he's chosen uh, chosen here so he will be one of the big names when we when we run through who's met, who the new transfers are at the start of next season I, I guess it puts a question mark next to James Haskell's name who, yeah. I, who I know and has made it very clear that he's looking for a new contract so he's out of contract here at the end of this season yeah I'm sure it will because uh, again without knowing sort of the ins and outs and I'm just speculating but you'd think that James Haskell would be on uh, a, a decent amount of money here at Wasps um, you're not going to get Brad Shields for peanuts so again it's all about what we were talking about the jigsaw puzzle of putting together that team now yes you will carry um, a number of back row players on reasonable money but still the the, the big money you'd think is for a select few and, and They've still got Nathan Hughes. Um, Guy Thompson. Guy Thompson. Sam Jones, if he comes yeah. back from, from injury. Yeah. I, I, I love this time of year because of, not just because of the Autumn Internationals, um, but this transfer speculation is great. I think, I think um, one of the best things about football is the fact that you get to talk about who might be signing who at various points during the season. I sometimes wonder whether, whether actually we should just allow transfers to happen throughout the season. Yeah, and I know it's happening a little bit more and more, Marlon Yard, for example, but, you know, just just have an open market whenever you want to. If you need to bring somebody in, bring them in whenever you need them. If if the move works for both clubs and the players, why not do it? Well, I think you... Can you not? Um, if both clubs agree to it, you just have to speak to the I player so. first. You I have to speak so. to the club first. So, um, you know, we've seen it a couple of times. We see players go out on loan. Um, John Okito made his Harlequins debut um, uh, this week, but having gone on loan to Worcester beforehand yeah. for a sh short period of time. Yeah. So I think as long as long as both clubs agree to it, and it, actually that is very, very important because one club might be desperate because of injuries for someone to cover one position, but might have a little bit of extra, you know, might be carrying, a, because of contract lengths and things, might be carrying a little bit of extra timber in, in, in other areas. Mm. And without shifting those players, you can't find room in your salary cap. So once you shift a player out of out of the contract and he moves elsewhere, he then leaves your salary cap. Um, so if you're right up to the cap, it's the only way of addressing some of those issues. It always strikes me that, that <clears throat> if there was a criticism that you would level at British coaches, English coaches specifically in recent times, it's that they don't go abroad enough 
to get experience of other other leagues, other cultures, and it brings us on to Ronan O'Gara, who we've yeah. we've heard today is leaving Racing ninety two a little bit earlier in his contract to become backs coach at the Crusaders yeah. in the new year. Not a bad place to go either. If you're going to be a backs coach of any team, the Crusaders have got some decent backs for you to look good. You, yeah. you wouldn't necessarily want want to go to uh, um, you know some of some of the provinces that aren't doing so well with with limited resources. But um, it would be great for him. And yeah, don't like, you love like the way he's said, done it? Yeah, that he's, I do. That he, he could have so easily have, have have made a very nice living for himself, staying yeah. staying in Munster, staying in Limerick. But he's not done that. He's taken himself out of his comfort zone and no, continues ab- to learn. Absolutely, and um, yeah, I, th- I think you're right. Just learning all those different styles. It's something that um, New Zealand coaches have done. Probably, you know, for all the coach development, a lot of that might have been the fact that. The, the money tends to be bigger for coaches sure. up here. So, you know, the, the likes of those New Zealand coaches that aren't on a direct pathway to the All Blacks, um, the All Black system, which tends to be what the, the ambition is, mm. they can come and earn some decent money and upskill themselves at the same time. I think it'll probably be the opposite for Rog. He's going from... You think he's taking a pay cut? Uh, he, he must be. He, he must be. Unless Racing are sponsoring it and they want him back, or I, I don't know, but he will be on, by coaching standards... A very high w- wage down there, yeah. down at uh, Racing. It's super rugby for an assistant coach will not get near that. So it is about his development, I think. I was surprised. I was talking to somebody, and clearly I, I will not mention names here. I was surprised that at the wages that some of the Premiership's more specialised coaches are are on. I think this would be of interest to some people. You know, if you're if you're a, a backs coach at whatever Premiership club it might be at the moment, you're probably on 40 50 60 i mean that's that's the kind of level that i'm hearing if you want to have some kind of context as to yeah. as to what you will earn as a backs or a forwards coach in the premiership at the moment Again, maybe a little bit more it's no different to the players it's it's supply and demand if yeah. you can do something or you'll perceive that you can do something that no one else can and you're vitally important for a team they will push the boat out to keep you if if they think that um you know what you do is quite easily replaceable then then the money's not going to be huge i think there's also a big difference between you know you you get the impression with with some clubs there's a coaching team that maybe share the money a little bit at some mm. clubs there's a guy at the top who you know will will make sure that he's paid pretty well and then but he's driving it totally and then below him are coaches that the club might say, well, they're interchangeable. Let's um, talk about the big talking point to come out of out of the England-Australia game, or the one that's continuing to rumble at the moment. Um, Michael Checker chopsing off to the fourth official at half-time. We all saw it on the telly. We don't yet know if he's going to get a slap across the wrist, whether he's going to be fined or whatever, because, um, because it's Wednesday night and we've not seen anything yet. Um, do you feel comfortable that that he's he's in the dock over what we saw last weekend? Uh, yes, because I well, not necessarily just over what we saw, but there are a few accusations that he had a bit of a row with uh, some fans and things on on his way down. So, yeah. look, you've got to be very careful. I I do worry a little bit if it's you know there was a court of David Campisi. I don't know why I was listening to him. He's gone a bit mad, I think. But but he said that um, Eddie Jones the week before um, should face a fine or a ban for swearing uh, on TV. Well, if you've got a camera pointing at you the whole game, which they have, they have a little camera in in their box, don't they, so that they can yeah. get their reactions when they score a try. I think you know us as TV companies have to be a bit careful what we show. Um, and yet, I thought actually, it was a great moment to see, wasn't yeah, it? Was, it? Yeah. yeah. And, and any director would want that to, to go out. But equally, we have to, you know, these are guys that, in effect, their jobs are on the line. And when something bad happens, they are going to react like most people sat at home when something bad happens and throw something at the telly. <laughs> and, and, and I'm a bit careful about that. Where Checker may face a bit more scrutiny is in walking down the steps and. You know, clearly remonstrating with anyone who'd listened, but particularly the the, the fourth official and, and yeah. um, you know getting in the technical area. You just have. I think it's just a common sense. I haven't. I couldn't 
tell you what he said or anything, so I couldn't say whether it's right that he's in the dock. But I think you have to give them a little bit of leeway. I noticed that um, one of England's cleverer tactical decisions at the weekend was to position Steve Borthwick right in front of that camera <laughs> this week that, that caught Eddie mouthing off last week. So whenever whenever the director tried to cut to Eddie, more often than not, you got Steve Borthwick schnoz. Yeah, rather not than the most explosive not, guy as not, well. Not, not, he, so not the most bit, explosive. Bit calmer, maybe. Do you know, do you know what I, 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 I absolutely get w what you're saying about Checker. One of the things that struck me watching, and I've watched the match back twice now, was the number of times, not just the coaches, but also the players on the pitch in a, in a match that was full of big decisions. I, th I thought Ben O'Keefe got a really rough ride from the players. And I, I think we're almost at that point where we need to redraw the line in the sand and say, hang on a minute, we've, we've, we've gone beyond what is acceptable in the way that, that we talk to referees during the game. So uh, World Rugby often put edicts out there, don't they, through their referees uh, department that they're going to clamp down on players talking. I'm sure we'll get one, another one of those. It's down to the referee to manage that. Um, yeah, would you hear a player players being quite so vocal to Nigel Owens? Probably not, because they'd put them in his place, put them in their place. Um, the players have a responsibility as well. I think it, it shows the the different character of some players. You know, Sam Warburton very calm with the referees, just goes and tries to put an arm around him and say, just explain that one, referee. Owen Farrell is a very upfront, honest guy, and if he sees something, he'll shout it out. You know, again, a bit like. The people watching on telly, if you, it's very difficult, and and that's that's what, you know, as a player, I know what it's like when you see a knock on or something, as when you're watching at home on the telly, your instant reactions to point at it and go, oh, knock on, knock on, and you know, it, it's not necessarily sort of shouting at the ref to influence him. It's just because your natural reaction is when you've seen something to to shout it out. Having said that, you know, the certainly with Clive Woodward there was a piece done on how do we manage that relationship with the referee. Because the ideal situation is that referees love refereeing your team because you don't give away many penalties. So most teams would spend a lot of time on trying not to give away penalties. It's, it's you know, the biggest killer of your performance. Um, managing that relationship with the referee both before the game, and I know that uh, Checker wouldn't meet with the referee, uh, but um, Eddie Jones was really keen to meet with him. But again, just to highlight some of your uh, fears going into the game so that you don't have those issues of, you know, well, we warned you about it before the game. Uh, but finally, on the pitch, how you manage that. And, and, um, and uh, with, with, in 2003... In the lead-up to that, we realised that Jono is one of those honest guys that wouldn't sort of pander to a referee, would go up and tell him exactly what he thought. He was a big domineering character, six foot seven, towering above with his finger pointing at him. And um, so actually during that 03 World Cup, Jono was banned from speaking to the referees uh, and the decision was made you'd send the smallest person on the field up to gently just discuss it with them. So Matt Dawson was chosen, yeah. um, which was great apart from... Most of the referees hated Dorset anyway. So, um, but it was, you know, that was something that we said, look, let's not get in his face. And I know around 2003, we had that reputation that referees liked refereeing us. We didn't give away many penalties. And, you know, we accepted them when the penalties were given, got back. And then when the time was right, on the way to the next line out or vice versa, Dorset would go and have a quiet word in their ear. And the best referees I know love the interaction. Um, you know, we don't want to over-sanitise the game, but I, I just thought, I just felt uneasy too many times during during Saturday afternoon. You'll, you'll, you'll have your own views on that. Let, let's quickly rattle through some of those decisions that, that, that got Checker and, and, and Hooper so upset. Um, Hooper's offside from the kick through, very briefly. Right decision? Uh, on the on the face of it, yes, because so although the ball's kicked again before Hooper plays it, he doesn't stop. So when that initial kick's made, he's in an offside position and he continues to run forward. You're meant to stop and wait for the guy or run backwards. Really, you're meant to run backwards to get onside and wait for the guy to accelerate past you. And then you're onside and you can keep going. So despite the fact that by the time the second kick's made, Hooper's in an onside position, he never actually retreated. So by the letter of the law, it's right. But had that one been given, I'm not 100% sure that anyone would have had any 
qualms. The bill yellow for the uh, for the knock-on. Again, it's something that's. I hate seeing a yellow for it because it's an instinct. By the time you've realised you shouldn't be doing it, your hand's already out. You make a natural... You see there's someone shaping to pass it, the, the ball's released from their hands, and you stick your hand out to try and catch it. Again, how we've seen it refereed, it, it probably is a, a yellow. The only thing I'd say, I'm not sure the break was on, which might, for me, have made it a penalty only. Actually, we missed the hoopy yellow as well for a series of offences. Yeah, well, that's... That's the referee's decision. Is, he, he said, "Yeah, it's not your first one. It, you've had one. Yeah. You've had three. So. Yeah. Uh, Stephen Moore's offside for the try that was was disallowed late on. My my instinct as soon as I saw that was that he's interfering with Chris Robshaw's ability to make the tackle yeah. cleanly here. So there's a, there's, a, there's a number of issues with with that. First of all, what Stephen Moore did exactly the same as uh, what Scott Britts did for Saracens on on Friday night. Um, and that one, that one stood as well, so inconsistency there. The other thing that a lot of Australians are saying is that Chris Robshaw was in an offside position, but he was retreating onside, and by the time he made the t attempted to make the tackle, he was behind the back foot, and the ball carrier had run five metres, so he's not in an offside position, regardless of whether it looked like he was offside. Um, but it certainly it affected the shot, that Chris Robshaw could get on the tackler. He couldn't make as forceful a hit. So, again, it's, I mean, it's very easy to say I'm English, um, but absolutely right. <laughs> and just to put the tin lid on it, uh, Australians will tell us that the ball that Elliot Daly chased down was in, in row X when it, when, it, when it bounced and it was out. Um, from the footage I've seen, it was in, but I, was in, I only really saw it in the stadium and... There was one camera angle that pointed directly down the line and one that was from off the pitch. And that camera angle was repeatedly shown. The one down the line was only shown once and that was the one that looked suspect to me. So I think the Australians have a case in point that that other angle should have been shown more often just to make sure. But from the angle we saw with the zoom in that the TV directors did, it yeah. was still in field. For the record, my mole, my refereeing mole... Um, Ooh, tells can you me, get that removed? Yeah, you can actually have a wart with some <laughs> laser surgery. Uh, uh, World Rugby review all these decisions as as as, as the RFU do on a, on a Monday at Twickenham. World Rugby reviewed uh, Ben O'Keefe's display um, last weekend, and he got every decision right in their mind. So there we there we go. The debate will continue this weekend. Australia going to um, to Murrayfield. Did you did you see? Um, me and me and Big McJim I, were doing the game on Saturday. It was in the background after the game. Yes, but uh, stunning performance. Great after Zinzan Brook had predicted 60 a sixty-point thrashing by the All Blacks to see Scotland turn up like that. The the scene set by Doddy Weir carrying the Wasn't ball that out. Ah, oh, just that you know, tears to the eyes stuff. Um, yeah, uh, so and and the reaction and the reaction of Kieran Reid as well when he delivered the ball, yeah. you know, shows what a great rugby man he is. Yeah, Bowden Barrett as well. Bowden yes. Barrett was there. Yeah, look, um, it was just a super start to a super game, and you know, one pass goes to hands at the end, and you get the biggest upset in, in rugby. I think I think, uh, and even some of my closest Scottish friends would agree with this that occasionally the build-up to matches at Murrayfield is absolutely brilliant. Uh, and it's not quite matched by yeah. what we see once the game gets underway. But actually, the wave of emotion that was created by Doddy and his three three sons and all that went before that game actually was carried on by the performances of people like Stuart Hogg. They were they were just magnificent yeah. for, for the whole 80 minutes as well. Look, it, it was... Uh, it, it's just gutting when you, they don't come up with the final victory because yeah. in the end we'll end up forgetting about that game when actually it could have been... Uh, well, for you, Nick, it could have been an "I was there" moment, and, and for Jim Hamilton, you might not have heard Jim. Jim Scott, he was, he was. Anyone who says that Jim does not care about Scotland needed to be sitting yeah. in the commentary box with us. He was, he was just going ballistic. But there's a, when Stuart Hogg was there, there is a there. wider um, talking point of whether New Zealand are quite the force they were. Now, I know in four years cycles we always talk about oh, are New Zealand quite the team they were. Uh, but I just wonder whether the lack of competition they've maybe faced in the championship for a couple of years has started to, to affect their performances yeah. and they're not quite accelerating at the same uh, speed they were. Having said that, I think 
this tour will be a seminal moment for them. With two years to go to a World Cup, I think they'll reassess all that and they'll kick on again. They still put some lovely stuff together. Some of the tries that they scored, they're great players. So having having come within five meters of of at least getting a draw with the All Blacks, but expect Scotland now to beat Australia. Is that is that fair enough? Uh, no, I think Australia were having lost by their record ever margin to England last week when they didn't deserve to. They could have easily won that game. Australia, they look. A vastly improved team. I thought England actually were really good because they were put under massive pressure by a, a very good Australian team. And I think the worst thing that could have happened for Scotland is for them to have played, in terms of this week, is for them to have played so well and not won. And, England, and Australia to have played well and got thrashed because, uh, or relatively thrashed if you look at the scoreboard, um, because that's going to be a very tough game for them now. We've got um, Scotland, Australia, uh, BT Sport 2 uh, on Saturday at quarter past two with them. Um, Anyone good commentating? Uh, no, it's Ali. Oh, he's um, very good. Yeah, no, he's uh, he's on with uh, Big McJim. Sort of like a Mc much Hamilton. younger, more handsome Nick Mullins, isn't he? He's, um, he's much, much, yes, both of those. <laughs> um, England, Samoa. We don't we don't know what the team is yet because as we said we're recording this on on Wednesday night. Eddie Jones naming his team. I think we'll see a few on Thursday. A, a, a few newer faces yeah. to the starting lineup. And we've we've kind of had a clue here because Nathan Hughes is injured, so he's come back here to mm -hmm. uh, to Broad Street. George Cruz has been let go. Jonathan Joseph has been let go. Anthony Watson's been let go, which which uh, opens up some interesting possibilities. Yeah. I think uh, we might see Jamie George finally get. His England start, most well, capped, uh, most capped player off to, the bench. Off the bench, yeah, yeah, it, it, without it, getting a start. Yes, yeah. Is it nineteen now or something? Unbelievable. Um, so I think we might well see that. Um, you'd think that Mako Vunapola might have earned a rest. So will we see Ellis Genge start? Joe Marler off the bench or yeah. vice versa? Um, yeah. But obviously Joe um, playing last week. Uh, Full back, I think Brownie probably come back in, looking at who he's got available, unless he looks at Elliot Daly there. Um, with Johnny May and Rocco de Goody on. Well, he's, talk, he's talking about he's always talking Eddie about about having three options at fullback, and he tried Anthony Watson there last yeah. week. So he's not yet seen no. Daly at fullback. No, so that 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 will be uh, that that's a potential there. He knows exactly what Mike Brown can do for him. Yeah, uh, and then it, inside backs, um, uh, will Danny Care? Do you think he'll get a start? How he played very well off the bench. Maybe just give Youngs a bit of a rest, but also see Youngs' impact off the bench. Just change it up a bit. I think Danny Kerr's probably deserved um, a, a shot running the show. Maybe to look at the combination between. I think Ford and Farrell could well start at ten and twelve anyway. Yeah, yeah. In which case, you'd think Kerr would start to look at that combination. Yeah. Having said that, if Farrell starts at ten, then maybe you go for for Youngs just so you're not changing everyone and, and losing your structure. Farrell, Farrell captain, by the way, if if he doesn't start with Dylan Hartley, do you think? Uh, yeah. Yeah. Who, who, who? There aren't a, a huge... People have talked about Maro Atoji before, potentially an opportunity to look at him. Um, is he... Is he is he an out-and-out -out captaincy candidate at the moment? I think he'll grow into it, but he's still a bit raw in terms of how many times he's captain Saracens and, and things. So I'm not 100% sure, to be honest. I don't think it's a massive deal. No. I, you know, again, without sort of wanting to hark back to the good old days, sort of when Jono wasn't captain, it didn't actually matter whether it was Lawrence, Matt Dawson, Neil Back. It, it, it was just a senior figure. Actually, no, one of the things that struck me about watching it last week and, and it's something that Eddie Jones has talked about a lot the level of fitness England's level of fitness uh, and you can talk about the margin of victory perhaps being a little bit flattering but over that last 10-15 minutes they were they were still going strong they were st they were looking significantly stronger than Australia in those in those closing moments oh, look, they're, they're working exceptionally hard I saw them working in Portugal um, and high intensity sessions but not just on the training on, on the rugby section of it, they would do a bit of rugby and then go off and work on, on their sprint work or the, the d different players working under fatigue at their skill sets. So 
we've seen the the scrum halves doing a passing drill uh, at maximum intensity, and yeah, the hawkers might go off when they're tired and and, and throw some uh, throw some throws to Steve Borthwick. So yeah, really bright bright use of their time, I think. Um, other internationals this weekend: Wales, New Zealand. It's 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 the Gatland show leading up to it. Um, yeah. What do you reckon? Just worry slightly about some of their injury problems. Um, you know, the it's, it was a poor performance, obviously, last week, but with a weakened side anyway. But the the side that they're going to play this week is probably not quite as strong as they want it to be either. So, um, And New Zealand on the bounce back from, from what happened last week up in Scotland. They won't get caught cold twice. Did you have a view, by the way, on... You, you, you may well have seen it, the business of... Um the uncontested scrums towards the end when Georgia were pressing for what 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 might have been a, um, a, yes, a try to I draw the view. game. I hate it. Yeah. And what are we going to call it? The uh, the Slamani effect. Well, it's, it's the allegedly salami. Allegedly. Allegedly salami. Uh, allegedly effect. salami effect. Where <laughs> you have two players. Here's 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 the top line. Two players uh, who've been replaced tactically. We are told yeah. the cards tell us uh, stripped down, ready to come back on. Warm back up. To to come pull, to come back into the front row. Pull the calf on the what bike. And then all of a sudden they develop cramp. Yeah. Uh, look, it, it's it's horrible because it, it taints the game, but you're not 100% sure, are you? And the way of counteracting it potentially means that we get just as many problems with teams punished when they've got injured players. Yeah. Uh, An Ireland against Argentina. It's going to be interesting to see what kind of side Ireland play because they were brilliant against South Africa, less so against Fiji, but if they kind of revert to that oh, side put, that beat they'll the box, the best side out. They'll, they'll, Without a doubt. they'll see you can't the finish on a, um, uh, a damp squib, can you? A damp squid. Squib. As our friend uh, calls Austin it sometimes. Squid. No squids <laughs> are. Um, Aviva Premiership as well. Um, we've, we've got um, two live games on BT Sport. Rainbow Laces. Rainbow Laces. Tell us about Rainbow Laces. Uh, well, the Aviva Premiership and uh, the Rugby Players Association have teamed up with uh, Stonewall uh, for this week. So it, it is uh, a game that is all about diversity and equality and to show that rugby welcomes everyone. And um, I think it's great for a sport like rugby that's seen as this sort of macho environment and, and um, you know, potentially back in the past wasn't very welcoming to all. And I think we, we've now proven that that we are and and um it, it's great to to be at the forefront of it and i know just across the way podsy the wasps kit man here at broad street has been busy lacing uh, the boots with those rainbow laces yep. today so yep. they will be uh, they'll be running captain's armbands floating around rainbow yep. captain's armbands brilliant brilliant um let's have a look at uh, our, our two games newcastle gloss the bt sport to 4k uhd on friday seven o'clock uh craigo Hughes. You as well, and Jim yeah. Hamilton, and me. Um, the A team. forward to that. Yeah, or the B team, Both or the C team. Um, quickly, uh, Newcastle and St James's Park against um, Northampton in March. Um, when I first that. saw it, I thought, oh no, because I thought that's not going to fill it, and I hate empty stadiums for showpiece games. It, it, everyone's tried to copy Harlequins because Harlequins did the start of the big game series, yeah. full stadium, great entertainment, cracking. Uh, added value to, to the season and I hate it when there's an empty stadium and, and teams rattling around and Newcastle won't get anywhere near filling St James's Park they'll be I think they're aiming for 20,000 people which is slight, which is more than what their ground can hold having said that it, it makes a bit of sense in the context that not this year's European Cup final but next year's European Cup finals are both at um, St James's Park so again proving that St James is a, a decent rugby venue and giving us a bit of a warm-up flavour also for Newcastle hopefully if they can get some PR and attraction to rugby in the northeast by the fact that it's a, a bit surprising that rugby is going to be played at St James's Park then they get the European Cup finals and you get a few people going to watch those. Suddenly people start to talk about rugby in the northeast, which isn't done enough at the moment. And so could be uh, good in terms of growing their fan base. But I, I still don't like empty stadiums for showpiece games. Uh, and they're playing Gloucester, um, who have actually been moving in the opposite direction. This to week the it's Northampton. At, uh, Sorry, they're playing Northampton. Yeah, yeah, Northampton in March. They're playing Gloucester 
this week. It's so tight in that middle section that, that Falcons have lost a couple and have dropped down. Gloucester have won um, some on the bounce and have, and have moved up. They're, yeah. they're, they're fifth now. And I was at, I was at Hartbury yesterday. When any new coach comes in, every single player will tell you that it feels different, that there's a new energy. But, but I, I saw that with my own eyes at training yesterday. There is a new energy. There's a bounce about the place at the moment. Yeah, um, I think Newcastle have been slightly affected by um, the, the Autumn Internationals. I think they've also... They missed Tackler. Yeah, they also got uh, on a roll um, playing some teams that, that, that were below them and, and things that got them up into the... and took all the pressure that they're not used to not being under because they're in a relegation dogfight off them. And they've looked a lot better as a result. They've played some brilliant rugby Newcastle. Um, if it was at uh, King's Home... I'd sort of say that Gloucester were out-and-out out favourites. Having said that, Gloucester off the back of a huge win against Saracens. Can they back it up away from home? King's Home's been a fortress for them of late, but they haven't been so good on their travels. Tell you one of the interesting things. They haven't been so good on their travels, but because Johan Ackerman is used to going huge distances in Super Rugby, he's actually changed their schedule this week. And rather than going up the day before... They're going up 24 hours earlier than they would have done because he thinks that any trip on a coach over four or five on hours uh, on bikes, on Boris bikes, takes it out of you and you actually need an extra night in the city uh, than, than you would normally have. So they've, and a good city to have a night and a good, out. As long as you're not going to Madame Coos, <laughs> then you're going to be well prepared for the game. Uh, yeah, look, it's that toss-up between... Uh, for some players, it'll suit them. Some players if they could, would sleep every night the night before a game in their own bed um, and, and prefer that sort of habit of, of being in and around their home comforts. So uh, I'm sure it'll suit some of the players, um, but it, it's one of those things that whenever a coach changes something, if, if you think it's good as a player, you're desperate to win so that you repeat it. So I remember we once, uh, first and only time Leicester ever flew to Newcastle, we flew up on the morning of the game, lost, and we knew that was it now. We were, <laughs> we were going to have to come up to Newcastle the night before every single game. So yeah. uh, coaches are still slightly superstitious. Newcastle-Gloucester, um, other, other games uh, on Saturday. Let's quickly get the predictions. Uh, BT predictor, Bath-Quinns, Leicester-Worcester, Sale Saints. Where where are you going on those three games? Bath Quinns first. Um, I'll say Bath because it's at home. But these might change before I do my predictions. Okay. I'll just caveat. We'll that. we'll allow you that um, license. Leicester Worcester. Leicester at home against Worcester. Great win for Worcester last week. Be very difficult for them to back it up again. They'll they'll benefit from their confidence, but I'm expecting a Leicester win, but not a massive one. Actually, just just very briefly, I, I put this out on Twitter last week. Is there a player, a single player, more important to any one club than Francois Houhard to to Worcester? Uh, potentially not. No, um, just the extra speed around the breakdown, both in terms of going himself, but. Um, uh, how he can get the back line moving because uh, they played really well Worcester didn't they they did some good stuff yeah and actually he got back and said it's not just about me there were lots of players Bryce Eam got a hat trick so there were lots of players playing playing well at the moment Sale Northampton. some of it was about me uh, some of it was about <laughs> me but not all of it but most of it Sale Northampton uh, big challenge for Northampton uh, I'm going to go for Sale just because dented confidence um, from what happened you'd expect a, a bit of a fight back but I just, I don't know, feeling at sale, I think so. Okay, and you can't shake me off because we're together again um, on Sunday. You can't. <laughs> I don't want to do that. You can't, even, no, if, you use both, even if you use both hands. Don't lock that door. You, you don't lock the door. I feel to. uncomfortable. Uh, Saracens, Exeter. <laughs> BT Sport 2 on Sunday. Uh, again, uh, at Saracens. Lazowski's been kept, has he, by England? Yeah. That's a big thing for me. So, Lazowski kept by England. Farrell kept buying and do they play Malins at 10? Do they play Alex Good at 10? I would have said Saracens bar that. Yeah. I, 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 they love Exeter, Max Malins, by the way. Yeah, look, I know. But, yeah, it's a big yeah. responsibility and top of the table clash. Yeah. And Exeter will go for him massively. So, apart from it, I don't think it's necessarily will that dent Saracens. I think it will just lift Exeter and it will give them a focus on a game plan to, to go after him. Uh, but, you know, tough to call because they're great sides. But I think that there's a lot of teams, the likes of Bath, Leicester, just below, who are going, well, these two are playing with each other this weekend. We have to win. 
so that we can uh, capitalise and, and catch up uh, a two that have been starting to sneak away from everyone else. The other, the other game on Sunday, um, Irish against um, our hosts tonight, Wasps at the Medeski. Um, look, you'd have to say Wasps because having had a pretty awful start to the season, things are going against them. But it's amazing if you look back at premiership seasons of past when the bottom team wins, the second from bottom team somehow the following week gets a victory. And they've got to, haven't they? Yeah. They've absolutely yeah. got to start I think, winning. I still think London Irish would have been, will be looking at Worcester. I don't think they'll, they'll be pressing panic buttons because they, they've still got to play Worcester twice. Yeah. So I think they just say, we'll win those two and we're fine at the moment. But it would help them enormously if they got a victory. But I can't see it happening. Wasps. That's it. I missed you, big boy. Thank you. I haven't, I'll be sick of the sight of you by Sunday night. Well, but I'm at the still moment, not shaking you off. No, no. Darts or ping pong now? <laughs> what do you reckon? Um, I'll leave. Darts. Yeah, okay. Very sharp ones. Thank you. Uh, thank you very getting blunter by the year. Thank you very much for listening to uh, to this Rugby Tonight podcast. We are back. That's okay. We're back in the studio next week. You in the studio next week? Uh, you can't I remember, can you? You're getting old. Very special time. guest, Mako Vonapola. Uh, who will be chatting about England's autumn campaign and all things Saracens as well. Uh, remember to subscribe to this pod. It is uh, delivered straight to your device on Thursday mornings. If you've enjoyed listening today, give us a five-star rating. If you haven't, please still give us a five-star rating because we're quite nice. Uh, and review us on iTunes as well. Uh, say goodbye, Benedict. Goodbye, Benedict. Goodbye. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.